Well, good morning, good morning, Identity Church. You know, it has been it has been a really weird week for me. Um, you know, Russian-Ukrainian conflicts. When you're in the cybersecurity world, it's a you you're constantly talking to people about the what if, right? You know, the the what if is where I think that most Christians live. In fact, I was actually on a phone call this week talking about what if this happened and what if that happened. Do you know that I spend most of my life doing the what ifs for my job? We, we put in what ifs in a budget and we go, if we go out and we do this, this would protect us from these particular things. And it's a what if because I've never been attacked by most of the things that people say, hey, you need protections for. I mean, we're just hedging our bets, right? We're reducing risk. Well, do you know that that is what I think that most people, not just Christians, but most people do, is they hedge their bets. They, they basically say, I don't know if God is going to come through. So when I believe in God, I'm going to give him an out. I'm going to build a risk mitigation plan, if you will, around whether or not I can trust that God's going to do what he said he did. What his word says. I mean, everybody's looking at me like, what are you talking about, Dusty? How many people's prayed to God? Okay, only about half of you. Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad we got at least a a 50-50 here. But do you know that the, the thing that the Lord keeps putting on my heart is that is that you and me too, a lot of times we hedge our bets. And do you know that we hedge our bets because a lot of times we don't know what God wants to do in a situation? I mean, it's, it's the truth. How many people have said, God, your will be done? There's nothing wrong with saying, God, your will be done. But I will ask you the question, do you know what your promise is? Do you know in the word of God what to allow the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you into? There's a whole lot of silence in here. Because there's a lot of times we don't pray the word. We don't talk to God about his promise. A lot of times we talk to God about our problem. Well, God knows our problem. See, God knows your problem before you even had your problem to be problematic in your problematic life your future he knew it so he put promises in his word and see what i'm starting out with today is the is the end of our of our where's your bubble you know eight week series how many people's actually liked where's your bubble i i mean I, i like the feedback thank you very much thank you i will tell you this right here will there will be times in the near future where you're going to go and say, you're going to read something in the Word or you're going to be praying to the Lord and He's going to bring this back to your remembrance. In fact, something that me and Myra was talking about, I believe that you guys are still churning. We were talking about churning butter the other day. Me and Myra, something that she gave me as a word from the Lord and I was thinking about it this week. Do you know that that's a word for you guys too? That the more you churn on the Word the better the butter is going to be. The better the outcome of this is going to be. There's going to be six months from now, you're going to hear something in here and the Holy Spirit's going to bring it back to your remembrance and it's just going to be gold. You can put it on a roll and it's going to be awesome, right? But see, what I want you to understand is where's your bubble really is just trying to explain to you who you are, what your promises are in God, and how to just live as a son and a daughter. Do you know that if you just learned, just took that in alone, how much better life would be? You know, there's a lot of things that I have that, you know, we've talked about this. Mom and dad are in the back. They come to our church. You know, there's a lot of things that I, that I have almost a guarantee I know without a shadow of a doubt, if I needed to put this backboard up or I need this thing built that's holding the TV or I needed to hang something. Do you know who I called? Dad. You know, when we were doing the technology, I called mom. 
Do you know that, you know, if I needed painting, there's Charlie and Reba. Reba was in the floor when we were first moving it out, trying to get all the spots up so we didn't have to go buy a brand new carpet. Do you know there's things and people and relationships that we can go, yeah, I can always lean on those people and I can, I can always lean on the fact that they're going to be there for me. See, what I want you to understand is that you can lean on the promises that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is your title in the kingdom. It's a long title, I get it. It's hard to keep that title, put it on a name tag, right? I mean, if I wrote it on a name tag and I gave every one of y'all and you went and somebody said, what's your last name? And you say, oh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Be like, that's a long last name. It is a long last name, but it is who you are. You are in right standing with God because you are in his family. Jesus became an equivalent to you. See, if you are an equivalent to him, then he's an equivalent to you. And then now God says, well, Jesus is my son. Hmm. Heather, you're my daughter. See, God's, God was trying to bring the family into the fold. And see, where's your bubble is, is my way of being able to explain to you that you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. And today we're going to talk about your kinetic chain that connects you to God. Now we're going to talk about what kinetics means and all that kind of stuff. I will get a little sciencey. I've got a computer engineering background, okay? So I, I've taken physics. I think it's awesome, okay? Science is what people see that God created. If you don't believe that, then you don't understand anything because no one created any of this. God created it. Science is just, hey, I saw something God created and I was able to figure it out. Well, you know what? That's what I'm trying to get you to do to figure out who you are in Christ Jesus is once you see it, you go, somebody comes walking up and goes, man, you're going down. You go, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry about any of that because my father is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen? All right, I'm going to get into this because I keep hearing the Holy Spirit go, move. Just keep, keep the kinetic chain going here. So we're ending this off. So I'm going to give you our, our title um, scripture here, which is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And it says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body... Be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, wherever we elevate, if we elevate ourselves towards the Spirit of God, then that's where our mind, will, and emotions is going to go. If we elevate ourselves towards our five senses, towards the things we see out here. You know, there's a war going on in, in Eastern Europe. If anybody has turned on the news this week. Well, if you know that there's a war going on, most of the time we go, there's a war going on here. Well, you know what? There could be a war that goes on here. But I want you to understand that you bringing this in and harboring these things, whether it's a war over in Eastern Europe or whether it's I don't like my job or I don't like the way people treat me or I don't like what's going on. If you allow those things in your five senses to take root in your mind, your will and your emotions, then you're going to elevate them every single time. You're going to make it to where it becomes a part of who you are and where you go all the time. Even if you are saved. And we're going to see some of this here in a minute, but I want you to understand is that we're either connected to God in our mind, will, and emotions, or we're connected to our five senses. Now, the one great thing about this, and we're going to see in a minute, is that we always have God going, come back over here. Come back over here, mind, will, and emotions. Come back over to my, to my way of thinking. See, that's the beauty about being saved is when you're in the family, God himself is constantly holding on to your coattails, trying to pull you back in, reel you back in. 
It's like the big one that's trying to get away. God's like, no, I'm going to leave the 99. I'm going to make sure that I'm reeling you back in. Do you know that that whole parable about the 99 and the one that left, it wasn't 99 or, or the one was unsaved or anything else. It was everybody's in the fold. Everybody's a part of being this herd of sheep. And the one was starting to get over here towards the end of the edge of the glen, right? And the shepherd said, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you go off and get eight. I'm going to keep pulling back on you. See, the 99 was also supposed to keep the herd in. See, sheep, they, they get together, especially when there's danger. But do you know that when the sheep start to, to move and they start to go somewhere else, it means they don't believe they're a part of the fold. They don't believe that they're a part of this, the safety. And see, Jesus will go out and he'll say, how hey, I'm going to bring you back in. So that's our mind, will, and emotions. I loved what Joanne said a couple weeks ago when I was showing this slide. This is my bubble level. And on one side, I've got the, the body and the flesh. And then I've got the spirit and kingdom of God on the other side. And we can either walk after the flesh or we can walk after the spirit. And Joanne says, man, that walking after the flesh looks complicated. Woo, there's a lot of stuff there. I mean, we're looking at, you've got nine fruits of the spirit that you can be led by. Look at all the other stuff. And by the way, he said, and then more. At the end of that scripture in Galatians 5, 26, he tells us, he goes, I didn't even write them all down. I just covered the, the, the top ones I could think off the top of my head. But there's only nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, temperance, meekness. Do you know that all of these particular fruits are the things that are pulling on you constantly? There's a, there's a pull. And see, we have to understand that, that when we are being pulled, that's a motion, right? There, when I pull something, when I start pulling it back, then now I'm in a motion state. And if I can ever get it going my way, buddy, I can get some speed up behind it, right? So let's, let's talk about how to keep our speed going. How to keep motion going on in our mind, will, and emotions. So Newton's first law says, it states that a body at rest will remain at rest unless an outside force acts on it and the body in motion at a consistent velocity will remain in motion in a straight line unless acted upon about an outside force. Now, you may be going, hey, I've heard this before. I went to school. I know, I know about Newton's laws and all these other things. Maybe you've said, hey, I don't know anything about them. But I want you to understand is that God didn't just create laws in the physical. He created them based upon spiritual principles as well. You know that even in our spirit, even in our body, even in our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, that if we are at rest... It's hard to get it moving. If it's in motion, then it's hard to get it to change. How, how many people have started their diet for the year and then failed? Okay, I, I'm going to put both hands up. I've started and failed and started and failed. Usually it has to do with our fellowships. But anyway, <laughs> and the fact that we've got these, oh my gosh, we've got some cinnamon... Brown sugar, cinnamon, butter, I don't even know what, pound cake or whatever. I had one of them and I thought to myself, I may never go back on a diet. But I want you to understand that if you, that just like, you know, I've got an illustration here. And it's a strong man and he's pulling a, a semi and it's filled with cars. Do you notice that when he first pulled on it, nothing happened? You know that he had to get it to move one inch and then another inch and then he could go a foot and then he could go five feet and he keeps pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling until finally he gets a kinetic motion. 
it becomes easier to pull it the more he pulls on it. But the hardest part was to get it to move, right? I mean, when you first see this dude and he's pulling this thing, he's like, ah! I mean, that's when everything in his body was about to evacuate his body. I mean, his guts, his head was going to pop off everything because he was trying to move 80,000 pounds. And the moment that he got it moving, it started getting easier and easier and easier. Also, if something's in motion, how do you get it to stop? Do you know that most of the time that when something's in motion, you have to stop it before you can put it in motion again. That's one of the reasons why it says here in Newton's first law that it says that it's the velocity which is in motion in a straight line unless acted upon by an outside force. So like these trucks, how many people's went down the dragon tail in uh, North Carolina? I know dad and mom and Heather and all of us, we went to... We went out to, I think it was in Virginia, we were coming back. And you're going up and over these mountains as you're coming back into North Carolina. And the next thing you know, you see these hills and you come down. And I mean, it is, it is just like, the grade is like 45 degrees. I mean, it's crazy amount of grade. Well, it was pretty bad on the SUV that we were in, Okay. I felt like the brakes was probably going to give out on us any time. But the trucks, the trucks, if they have to go up and down this grade over and over and over, their brakes will actually give out. And so once you put it in motion, 80,000 pounds, it's hard to stop that sucker. So they put these little, they put these little um, you know, uh, buffer zones in, if you will, so that they can go run up into it, as you can see here on the on the graphic, and they'll they'll go and it'll jam into the, this this buffer, and it'll stop it. It'll keep it from going runaway. Because if it goes runaway, it'll run into cars because it's got no brakes, and eventually it goes beyond the velocity that the actual truck can go, and it just wrecks anyway. And you may be thinking, well, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of well, you would much rather wreck that one truck and stop it than to actually hit a bunch of other cars or to go and flip it and, and kill a bunch of people, right? So what we have to understand is that motion, the kinetic, the kinetic velocity that we're on could be good and it could be bad. Do you know that there are things in my life that are in kinetic motion? Hey, we just talked about my weight. I've tried to get on a diet, not try to I go back and forth. Well, you know, all these people that go, well, if you can do something for 21 days, do you know that the 21 days is really built into us that we, that after 21 days, we stop. We're slowing our momentum down for like, let's just say it's, I'm taking sugar away. Well, there's a certain amount of time there before the headaches go away and the cravings go away and all the other things. It's a kinetic motion. My body is completely into sugar right now. Woo, buddy, I can tell you what. I could, I can have some sugar. In fact, my body craves some sugar right now. But you know, the moment I take sugar away, it's going, nope. And it gives me headaches and it gives me you know, cramps and it get. I mean, there's all these things that come along. I get fog in my head and I can't think, oh, you know, the Lord constantly is trying to change either our velocity so that we can change our motion towards him. See, when we get, when we get something started or we try to change a direction, you need some force that is greater than your current situation to change it. And see, the Holy Spirit for years talks to us and sometimes has been pulling us to slow us down. How many people have done something you know you're not supposed to you, and you just had that pulling of us, I'm not supposed to do that. Well, that was the Holy Spirit pulling back, going, let's get this thing slowed up so that you don't actually make this mistake. See, the kinetic chain of the things that 
God is trying to put in your life, they take time. We usually want a miracle. Do you know the difference between healing and a miracle? If you ever find people who have been healed versus somebody who's had a miracle, do you know what a miracle really is? A miracle is when God did something that wasn't there. Like if it's in your body, he replaced something. Because God puts healing in our body. We, how many people's cut your hand? It, it heals. Well, you know what? I want you to understand is that a miracle is I didn't have the hand and it came back. That's pretty awesome, right? But see, that's what everybody wants. They want the fast food. Well, God, I want you to give me what I want now. Right this minute. I don't want, I don't want to change my velocity. I want, to, I want you to change it for me. How many times do you think I prayed, Lord, just make me skinny and then I'll just keep this going? <laughs> I've done it. I've said it out of my own mouth. And you know what? The thing is, that's not the way it works. Now, I've seen plenty of miracles in my life, things that I was like, God did that. There was no other way that was able to happen. And God did that. But do you know that 99.9% of the time, if God was to just change our situation every single time, we would learn nothing from it. And then I'd be right back in the same situation that I was in. Because guess what? I've lost 11 jillion pounds and I put 11 jillion and one back on. Back, what, eight years ago? I was jogging every morning. I lost almost 100 pounds. I mean, I was, ooh, I felt good. Everything was great. And then we had one really good Christmas. I mean, it was really good. And it changed my momentum big time. And I quit running and I quit dieting the way I should and I quit doing those things but see this is not just about your body this is about what you do in your relationships this is about what you do when you're talking to people maybe you have a bad attitude towards someone maybe you just have a bad attitude overall I know I can speak from my own experience I'm a changed guy I mean I've had people tell me that I was a baseball bat with nerf wrapped around it now, a lot of you probably know, know me now, and you go, well, I've never seen you act that way. Well, I can, I mean, the Cornelius way, I mean, I might get an amen from the back seats from the Cornelius's, but the Cornelius way is, by God, you're not going to tell me anything to do. I'll do my own way. Do you know that that is, the, that is an attitude that's not just the Cornelius way? There's everybody has things in their life that they need to change. And God is trying to work on us one moment at a time. So let's talk about our spiritual man, our new man relationship here. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we've been talking about this. I mean, I use this scripture over and over again. But it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18 says, and now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Down at the bottom here, I've got. Our old dead spirit is recreated with Jesus Christ. This makes us sons and daughters of God. We have rights through reconciliation. This word reconciliation, it's, um, I don't even know how to pronounce the Greek word, but it's there if you want to look it up. But it basically means to have one's values be brought to equivalency. Do you know that reconciling something means that I have balanced it? I have brought it back to an equivalent state. You know that when, when Jesus came to this world and he died for us and he went and, and, he, and he bled on the mercy seat, now God sees us as an equivalent to Jesus. See, that's a truth that if you don't walk away from anything to do with anything that I've talked about, this is what I want you to walk away with. 
Okay? That you are in him. God sees you like Jesus. And that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If, you, if that's all you take away from what I've, ever, that I've talked about in the last eight weeks, then you're going to be okay. You're going to start down a really awesome path. But see, the problem is, is that most people stop about the time they get to, well, I don't know if I'm equivalent with Jesus. Because that just sounds wrong. I'm not equivalent with Jesus. I woke up this morning and I had pains in my body. And I woke up this morning and I may have said a bad word. Or I, I woke up this morning and I didn't feel good. Do you know that the equivalency of Jesus has nothing to do with your body? Has nothing to do with how you feel? It has to do with your recreated spirit in Jesus Christ. You were made a new creature in your spirit. See, when your spirit man was recreated because it was dead. In fact, I've got a little graphic right here. The old Adam dead spirit man. When Adam and Eve fell, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, it says, so is written, the first man, Adam, was made just a living soul. He was just a living soul. But see, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That means we were supercharged. It means that we got a spark on the inside of us that was Jesus and God himself that recreated us. Because Adam killed off the old one and every time we had a new child or we had, you know, they, they took on the old man. And see, what we talk about is the old dead man, Adam's spirit, the, the thing that, that was put in us from birth, that dead spirit caused him to just be a solical creature means everything that he had oh yeah we were living i mean he had sort of the soul of man like we talked about 666 last week if y'all remember so we talk about that in his spirit he was a man in his soul he was a man and in his body he was a man so being a man that without jesus without god on the inside of us means that we are selfish we're selfish and we're selfish. And you go, but I don't believe that. I believe people are good. Well, you know, Jesus actually, when the, the, the rich young ruler came to him and said, good master, and he stopped him and said, whoa, why do you call me good? Because only one is good and it's God. And he goes, so am I God? And what did he say to him next? And he goes, master, so he changed really quick. He was like, I'm not willing to go there yet. But see, doing good acts versus being the marker of good, the, the actual standard by, what, by which we live. You know, when somebody says, oh, you're a good person, you know, most of the time they're looking at the act that you did. They don't know about, well, I... I have all these flaws. So when somebody says, are people good inherently? No, they're not. Are they able to do good acts? Absolutely. God wrote it on our heart to do good acts. But does that make us the standard by which we should live? The answer is no. The standard by which we should live now has been recreated on the inside of us. That means when you became that new creature on the inside of you, that there's actually a goodness standard that is, I, I'm, I've got it. It's on the inside of me. I am the righteousness of God in him. Pin drop. You know, this is a lot to take in. You know, I, when I'm studying this and I'm listening to this, I do the same thing. I go, I don't feel that all the time. See, that's the great thing about this is that our emotions, where we feel at, it's in our soul. And it gets to just shut up and go, yep, in my mind, I know it's true. Most, you know, if your emotions go crazy, 
Just say, shut up, emotions. Shut up, emotions. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know, I say that to myself all the time, literally in a mirror while I'm sitting there going, I'm going bald and I'm going, uh, I got all these flaws and God, I, I want to look different. And he goes, that's not who you are. That's the body in which you, you walk around. It's the, it's the thing in which carries you about. But guess what? On the inside of me is the very God of the universe that has recreated me. I used to say, I am one third God on the inside of me. And Heather would go, don't say that. Don't, 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 don't say that. That's, people are going to misconstrue what you're saying. Now, I, don't want you, I want you to misconstrue it. Whatever you want to think about that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have him on the inside of me. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're in the same boat I am. You are a heretic, I guess. You would go to most churches and you get kicked out for this kind of preaching. I, I know of some of them. It's in the word. But you know what? It's hard to swallow. It's because we only think of ourselves out here. Well, Dusty, you, you don't look righteous. Well, looking righteous and am righteous is two different things. See, that's what we have to remember is that we have been brought to the same equivalency as Jesus in God's eyes. Do you know that changes things? It changes how you act. It changes who you are and it changes where you go in life. Because if I am equivalent with Jesus, then now when I start to go down a wrong path, there's something on the inside of me going, uh, that's not who I am. Have you ever made a decision based upon who you are and not just based upon what you wanted to do? We do it all the time. I mean, think about this. How many people, you know, and there's nothing, I'm, I'm not making a, a statement about, you know, having a drink. But, you know, if somebody said, hey, we're going to go bar hopping and we're going to go out here, and we're going to take drugs and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. The first thing that comes up in my, in my spirit is that's not who I am. In fact, most people, they see me and they go, that's not who he is. So. It's not a matter of where we go and what we do. A lot of times I've been in these places with people, especially for work events. And you know, the thing is, it's like, I'm not even, it's not even where I'm leaning. Now, are there other parts of my body that I, that I need to take under the same control as that? Absolutely. We just talked about one, about me eating. I have to tell the Lord every time, look away, I'm at the Chinese buffet. But do you know that every single time that the Spirit of God on the inside of me talks to me and he's doing something, he's, he's yanking on a particular chain. And this chain that we have is called the kinetic chain. It's a chain that moves. God's constantly, it's not a chain that holds us in place. It's a chain that actually is pulling it has a movement. There's like a suction, if you will. I, I feel a leaning every single time I, I'm doing something. I'll give you an example. This week, some stuff has been going on that has been really bothering me. And I've wanted to give up. I've wanted to get mad. I've wanted to have a bunch of just pity parties. And about the time I start to do it, the Holy Spirit goes, Eh, that's not who you are. And he pulls me back and I go, yeah, I know. I know. And I start looking at my promises. But just like in our spirit, a kinetic chain is the notion of the Holy Spirit that has an effect on our identity. You know, when we know our capabilities, we will flow in our gifts. We will flow in love and peace and long suffering and gentleness Faith, hey, sometimes I'm, I've got a lot of doubt and I need, I need that washed away and God's faith put back in, in place. Do you know that in 1 Corinthians 2, 
verse 12, it says, And now we have received not, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of, of him who is from God, that we might know the things. Those things are promises, the gifts and the Holy Spirit that have been freely given to us. Do you know that God is, God is the God of the universe? He is everywhere. He is, he is what is keeping all of the atoms together. If you go talk to any scientist, he says, when you get beyond the molecular part of every atom, they're going, we don't know, we don't know how this, this all works. You could fit the whole universe in the size of a pinprick. See, this is where we get the whole idealism of the Big Bang and all this other stuff is that, oh, it all come from something the size of this and that it exploded. Well, it's because there's, there's a, a God extra that has expanded every molecule that is on and in and around the universe. We are filled in every single atom of our body with the presence of God that's holding everything in place. Scientists don't know what it is. It's because they haven't been recreated in the new man. They can't look at the Bible and go, that's what that means. You know, the more I got into science, the more God started revealing more of stuff going, wow, man's just really good at being able to see what God's done. You know, this is one of the reasons why I always tell people when they go, well, I've, I've never met God. Well, if you didn't meet God, you'd just fall apart. You'd fall apart like a $2 suitcase because God's holding you together right now. You know, this whole idealism about that there's a bearded man in the middle of the universe that's, that's out there and he's judging the universe, that, that's, that's stupid. If you believe that, that's a stupid thought. Just I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Uh, atheists believe that they they say it all the time so they believe it they believe that that hey we believe in a bearded man in the middle of the universe that he's got some room out there and it's like you know air conditioned and you know it's it's keeping him alive and that's who god is but see jesus said himself and john he said that we worship god in spirit and in truth he didn't say we worship God in our flesh because he's out here. No, we worship him in spirit and in truth because God is a spirit. And see, what we have to understand is that this kinetic chain of God is constantly pulling on our mind, will, and emotions to try to change our direction and get us to a place to where we can move in his direction. Do you know that the moment God starts pulling and we just let him Man, things just start coming together. It, it's like momentum builds. Do you know that there's things, the older I get, and I believe that there is something to do with age in this. I know that when I was younger, I thought, well, you know, I can't have any more God than I already got. Do you know the older I get, the more I'm getting? Do you know that it, the momentum is just picking up in areas in my life? It is it's becoming more and more. It's almost like I'm on a raceway and I'm, and I'm hitting two and three and 400 miles an hour with some things. It's because God himself has gotten me to a place in my life in my mid forties to where, Hey, I can do this. And you know what? He's going to keep doing it when I get into my, to my mid fifties. And when I get in my mid sixties and my mid seventies and my mid eighties, you know, that's one of the things I think we've lost in the Western culture is the fact that there are elders, people who have been pulled like this and that they're on a path that if people would just stop and go, I want to know more about this. See, I think elders also have to become good at being able to tell people about there's some time. There's seed time and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. And the more fruit that you get is because you planted more seed, you had some more time, and you had some more harvest. So I go from one tree that's got a little bit of fruit, and then I go to two trees, and then, and then oh, by, one tree ends up producing enough seed for ten. 
20, 30 trees. I go plant those and now I got 30, 40, 50. And then now it's a multiplier. Now I got 300 trees that are planting. And oh, now I've got 3,000. And now, oh, I got 30,000. And now I got. But seed, time, and harvest allows us to be pulled in a direction. You know, there is plenty of overnight successes that took 25, 30 years. You know, we live in the YouTube generation where if you know how to TikTok dance and shake your booty, you might be able to like get some followers and you have all this stuff. Do you know that they're going to be in a problem in 20 years? Because there's not going to be people who's going to want to see a 50-year-old person over there shaking their booty and putting all this stuff all over their face. Well, there may be some. I don't know. I, I, let, me, let me rephrase this. There's some, there's some people out there, okay? But I will tell you this. The glory that once was usually is not going to happen. You know, I watched a little documentary. I love 1980s rock. I don't know why. I just do. And I used to like Guns N' Roses and ACDC and all these others. But now I've fallen in love the older I get with the, the people like Robert Palmer and, you know, even like Duran Duran and some of these others. And I go back and I listen to their music. And I just think to myself, they they had more of a... You know, for the time, it was more pure rather than than it being some sort of, you know, like I'm trying to put on a show, you know. So I go and I listen to some of these people. I go back in the 70s and I listen, you know, because I used to go uh, to the Oak Mountain Star Series over here and you would hear Grand Funk Railroad and, and all these people when I was a teenager. But do you know that the older I get, the more I appreciate, man... These people did some things. They had some talent. It was really kind of a, a neat little error that they had. Well, 10 years, at, like, you know, 1985, all these people blew up. Well, in 1995, they were all trying to find it again. Because, oh, the grunge era and all these other things had come through. Well, do you know that whenever you hit it big... Whenever you get the, the lottery, you know, there's a point and there's statistics out there. You can go find them on the Internet. It's like only 5%, 4 or 5% of the people who actually won money in the lottery are actually alive and have some of it left. I mean, it's crazy. You get somebody that hits the lottery that doesn't know what to do with money, they lose it all, they get on drugs, and then they die within somewhere around 36 to 48 months. That's the average. That's the average. Unless you were to find a rich person and they won the lottery, then they would take that money and they would invest it and it would just be part of their portfolio because they already knew about how to deal with money. But you take somebody that they live paycheck to paycheck, it will kill them. They won't know what to do with themselves. And I know everybody in here is going, that ain't me. Well, guess what? If you didn't seed time and harvest, it will die. If you're going to go start a business, if you're going to go start uh, anything, if you're going to go start a, a family, I don't... I don't want people that are 20 years old going out and adopting teenagers. That would be disastrous. Because seed time and harvest didn't happen. Now, if you're 40 plus years old like I am, and I said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to get somebody that's a teenager. I already got two of them. I know how they, they act. And I know how to deal with them. But see, if you've never been through it, it will kill you. Absolutely. So the Spirit of God is the same way. I get the Spirit of God. I got, I got saved when I was a kid. I didn't know anything about God. I prayed. I, I, I knew my Bible stories and that was it. And then I got a hold when I was 18 years old. Uh, Pastor Jim McCann was preaching. Went to VCF. 
he was preaching on, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It became a banner for me. Oh, I went from ADD and dyslexia. 11 years later, I had a master's degree in computer engineering. I didn't even graduate from high school. Had to go get a GED. That one scripture took me through 11 years. The moment that I got done with my master's degree, God started talking to me about going to Bible school. And I was like, oh, Lord, come on. I've been in school forever. You've changed me so much. Let's just stop right here. I will be good if you just keep me right here. But you know what? God's constantly pulling. We got to build some more momentum. All you knew was two scriptures. You know, God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then you knew, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And every once in a while, you would throw in there uh, Philippians 4.19, which says, God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I did that one just so that I could have some money. Okay? I mean, I had like two or three scriptures and that's all I really knew. And then God said, hey, let, let's, let's get you learned a little bit more. So every single thing God is doing, he's trying to keep, let's get that chain moving faster. Let's keep it moving. Let, let's not stop it. See, I've heard people go, well, I knew all this stuff back when I was in my 20s. I don't ever need to go back to church. No, 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 no. No, 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 you need to go double time, I guess. Because if you don't think you're getting anything by the time you get in your 40s, if you're allowing God to pull on that chain, it is getting faster and faster and faster if we allow His kinetic chain of the Holy Spirit to continue to pull us and pull us away from those other things. But see, we also have this kinetic chain of the flesh. The world has the same pull. Just like our bodies, a kinetic chain is the notion that a joint and a segment has an effect on one another during movement. So if I'm running and I got an ankle problem, well, the first time I take a step, my ankle goes, ow. Well, then that's going to affect the rest of my body. You know, years ago, I had an ankle problem and my left knee started having a problem. And I was like, why has my left knee got a problem? It's just my ankle. And I go to the chiropractor and the chiropractor said, yeah, you're putting more weight on your left leg because of your right ankle. So he said, we got to fix the, the right ankle in order to fix the left leg because it's a kinetic chain. And the Holy Spirit said, pay attention because this is the way everything works. This is the way the spirit world works too. Is that if you are hurting in one area, it can slow down the progress of everything else. And so as we got here, I got a whole bunch of stuff. This is a busy slide, but I want you to understand what it is. So we have our mind, will, and emotions over here on the left. As y'all are looking over here. And it's a bubble level. So I get... So whatever I elevate, if I elevate towards the spirit or if I elevate towards the flesh, that's what I'm going to get. But the more that I start elevating towards the flesh, I get this thing where I'm walking and moving and I'm focusing on the things of the, the flesh. So my five senses tells me, hey, there's something going on out here. I, I have problems or I, I've got this other issue. And so now I can be in flesh and in the carnality of things, I focus and I dwell on my future, my career, my family, my home, my bills, love life, health. And that becomes my sole focus. That becomes the thing that I put all of my, my time. It's called worry. You know, meditating on the word of God is the opposite of worrying. Because it gets us focused back on him it pulls us back in this direction and depending on how long this has been going it can take some time to actually get the the, the tug of war of the spirit to start pulling you back around and there's a lot of areas i'm going to do a teaching i still haven't figured this out but the heart is compartmental you know a lot of people used to say that well, it changed my heart. Well, what part of your heart did it change? 
Well, it changed my heart for people, okay? What part of changing your heart for people? Because there's a lot of aspects. I believe there's thousands of compartments for your heart. Because I can have different beliefs about different things that are all contrary to other beliefs and other things that are in my heart. I mean, we all have that. I can have the belief that, that I want people to live and have a great life and I, I want people to, to have good health care and all these other things, but I can also have a belief that it's okay to kill someone who has been a murderer. See, I want you to understand your heart has multiple different areas. I can actually reconcile in my heart, I can bring it to an equivalency that these are different things than these things over here. And see, what I want you to understand is that wherever I focus, I might have some areas where the Holy Spirit's been pulling me for a long, long time, and those are great areas in my life. But I may have some really bad areas over here, and I'm still looking at the flesh for those areas. It works that way. This is not a one-way street where, okay, I'm focused on the Spirit. But see, we think that that's the way it works. Most people go, well, I'm saved. Have you ever heard of a thing called being unequally yoked? Don't be unequally yoked, right? We, we hear this all the time. And most of the people think when, when you end up getting married, that being unequally yoked basically means, well, are you saved or not? Well, there's a lot to that. Well, do you, you know, well, he's a Catholic and I'm a, a Protestant. Okay, well, uh, he believes in these things and I believe in these things. Well, that's all Christianity stuff. So let's, let's go into other areas of our life. Well, I want to stay here in Alabama and she wants to move to Seattle, Washington. But I love her. Well, no, you're unequally yoked. You're, you're going in two different directions. And that's going to cause you problems. Well, see, the same thing happens in our, in our heart. There's plenty of things that are going in two different directions and we're pulled. How many people have said, I'm pulled in two different directions? It's because you've not reconciled something in your heart to go in the same direction as God's direction for every area. Those are key indicators. See, I'm, I'm a cybersecurity guy. There's indicators of compromise. We've been compromised. I see these alerts that are coming out and I see these you know, traffic and all this other stuff that's going out to the internet. Well, that's a key indicator that we have been compromised. Well, you know what? If you're going and you're being pulled in two different directions, that means that one of your directions is not in the direction of God. It means that he has not put the desires in your heart. You have a desire and then you're following another God desire. See, what we have to understand is that once we get his desires into our heart, he starts moving us and pulling us in one direction. Now it's easy. And you're going, well, if I apply that to marriage, do I, if I found somebody that's perfectly good for me and they want to live in Seattle and I want to live in Alabama and they, they're Catholic and I'm, you know, I'm Protestant and so on and so forth, that I should just let them go? Probably. Because five, six, seven, eight years from now, you're going to be going, I don't know who you are. And the answer is, is no, you knew who they were. They told you. You need to understand that in every area of your life, you need to be pulling with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that sounds harsh. I'm sorry. I apologize if that sounds harsh. But we have to understand what is our long-term goal going to be. Because we, I went to school uh, at Karis and there was a, a lady that came and talked to us. She was an um, um, evangelist. I think you were there with me when, when she was talking to us. But she found the most perfect guy that was going to Karis Bible College with her. Went, he lived in Sweden and had come over here for college. They got together and he said, well, we're perfect for each other. We like each other. Our families like each other but I'm moving back to Sweden and I'm doing this thing and I'm going to be a pastor and you need to be my pastor's wife. And she said, well, no, the Lord's calling me to be an evangelist. 
And he was like, oh, okay, well, you can do some of that too. <laughs> so, so she goes and she's like, yeah, I guess because he is perfect for me. He, he, he's a good guy and, and he loves the Lord and he does. Well, the, the problem is, is that the more she got towards the, towards the marriage, she started realizing this is not for me because I don't want to go to Sweden to be a pastor's wife. He loves the Lord. I love the Lord. Well, what's the problem? And then all of a sudden, I think it was Andrew Womack that she went and talked to and he said, I wouldn't do it. I would not do it because he's going in a different direction than you are. Is it a good direction? Yes. But not every good direction is good for you. I mean, that's a truth. I, I'm sorry if I'm sounding so, so mean and, and hateful this morning. I really am not. I'm, I'm projecting love. Because at the end of the day, if we're going in two different directions, then you need to know it. I mean, Heather and I, we were, we were first married and I'd gotten cer- certified in uh, Cisco. And there was a, a job offer in Ohio. And I mentioned it to her and she said, no. But it would have made $85,000 a year. And at the time, I was making well under that. In fact, we were barely making enough money to be able to... There was no ends to meet. Let's just say that, okay? (laughs) I was having to find something to gap that sucker with. But see, it was the wrong thing for both of us. So I had to go, you know what? You're right. God's going to supply you know that this is the, the truth behind everything? In, in Romans 8, 3, 2, it says, for, you know, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And it says, on account of His sin, He condemned the sin in the flesh. Do you know that there are good things that are sin to you? Absolute hallelujah, amen. Woo! I just preached a good message right there. Hallelujah. Because there are some things that are really God that is not God for you. I mean, I'll just, it'd be like this. If I looked at Vicki and I said, Vicki, you know, you're a good Christian woman. I believe that God is calling you to be a pastor. And Vicki goes, Nope. Well, that's a good thing to be a pastor, right? I mean, Vicky's going to go, now she's like hurting my feelings because that's what I am. I, I wanted her to be the same thing, right? But see, it would be sin for someone. I mean, God may be talking to Vicky about being a pastor. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, he is not. Okay. But it would be sin if all of a sudden she said, you know, outside of God, I'm going to go and do this. Do you know that that is what God himself would call being unequally yoked with him? So we have to not only be equally yoked with each other, but we have to be equally yoked with him so that when he's pulling in a direction, we go, yes, Lord. Not, wait a minute, Lord, I don't want to go down that path. I want to come over to this path. But see, he, he killed the sin of the flesh. He, he condemned it. He made it not fit for use. And see, what I want you to understand is that in verse 6 it says, for to be carnally minded, that sold, this, this actually means suke, it's, it's the word for soul, is death, but to be spiritually minded or to be spiritually sold is life and peace. When I elevate the Spirit of God in my life, then now whew, things just start, I'm starting to flow with Him. I'm, he's pulling in a direction. I just go, yes, Lord. And I'm going to end right here. If this illustration doesn't get it for you, then good luck because I don't have anything else to be able to, to talk to you about. But this illustration right here is life and death. How are we being pulled? And see, 
Here on the life side, we have the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us. We have spiritual life, peace, health, relationships, deliverance, opportunities, and ways of moving forward. And the Spirit of God is pulling us as fast as He can if we would allow it. And we're not fighting against Him. Then this kinetic chain, it starts to even pull in our mind, will, and emotions. Our bodies... The way we see things, the way we sense things that are going on around us. You know, I can actually change the atmosphere when the atmosphere needs to be changed. Because the Spirit of God that's on the inside of me actually can come out of me and it can be like a bubble. You know, Kenneth Hagin used to say that. He said he would go sit on a park bench, said he would just be praying, and all of a sudden he would just say, Lord, bring somebody. And he said he would feel the Holy Spirit just extend from him. And there would be a lady that's over there pushing a baby cart. And the lady's just like, can I come talk to you? Do you know that we can actually be agents in this earth where we extend the love of God on the outside, where we extend ourselves. The Spirit of God that is on the inside of us comes out and it starts pulling others. And see, death, it has, it has its own pulls, right? And see, when we focus and we dwell on, oh, future and careers, See, the other side, the life side, is pulling your careers, your future, your family, and everything. It's changing it because I'm, I'm following the Spirit of God. It's not changing me. I'm changing it. My situation starts becoming better. But on the death side, when it starts pulling you, oh, you start getting into fear, strife where there's every evil work, then the next thing you know, this chain is starting to pull us and we just start dwelling on our situation. What's going on in our future? Do I have a future, Lord? You know, I, I ask these questions from time to time about what should I be doing and how should I be doing it and the Lord will start pulling me back and going, hey, I got you. Do you know that when this, the kinetic chain that is moving me towards Him, when it is moving in the right direction and my mind, will, and emotions are moving in the right direction, then everything starts changing. My, my future starts changing, my career, my family, my home, everything. Because I'm not focusing and dwelling and worrying on the things that really have no bearing on the Spirit. This is the last slide that I have for you guys. And this is the last part of the last minute of the last of where's your bubble. You know, I, I actually gave out bubbles and everything the other day. And um, I found an extra one. And this is the one that has a chain on it. You know, the, the Lord keeps telling me that, that every time I, I've, I've taught on this and I look at these, these bubble levels and I start just taking this and meditating on where is my mind, will, and emotions? Am I focused on the flesh, the things that I see here, taste, smell, and feel? Am I dwelling on those things? Or am I elevating the Spirit of God in that it doesn't matter what I see here? taste, smell, and feel. It doesn't matter what's going on in my situation. Do you know that it becomes a reminder that I need to start changing my direction so that I can build momentum? How many people want to have momentum towards God and get away from the momentum going towards the flesh? Amen. Everybody, everybody wants this, but what we have to understand is that there are areas in our life that we need to take not for granted that God wants to change. God wants to show us how to, to stop doing what we're doing and to put us back on another path to where we will be moving in His direction constantly. Amen. Amen. Everybody bow your head. I'm going to pray for us. 
Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray, dear Lord, that over the last eight weeks we have talked about being sons and daughters of, of you, Father, and that you are bringing us to a place that we understand every area, that the key indicators that you are showing us every day where it's like, ah, I need to be equally yoked with my father. I need to allow him to pull. When I feel the tugging in this certain area, I should just surrender. I should just pull off the road like we showed before and just run into the gravel pit and just say, okay, Lord, put me back on the right path. Change my momentum. Change where I'm at. Change how I see myself and how I see others. Give us the ability, Father, to be able to see these indicators. Father, give us the ability to see these indicators. And you just go, yes, Lord, I'm going to move in your direction. And I just pray over them as they go out this week. I know there's, th- there's things that are going on. I pray right now in agreement with this body of congregants that in Ukraine that miracles are happening. That, Father, in Jesus' name, that you are confusing the Russian soldiers. That the Ukrainian soldiers have what they need to be able to go in and that you are making supermen of those people so that they can go forth and drive those, those Russian soldiers out. And Father, I thank you that there are good people in Russia that are rising up. The streets are being covered, Father. We see it. I just pray, dear Lord, that it is being shown and that it causes change. Because there's people, good people on both sides of this. And we have one dictator. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there is a change that Vladimir Putin has taken out of that office. Right now, in Jesus' name, and that on the world stage that he is going to be reprimanded. And I just thank you that you are constantly bringing the people of God together. This is going to create a bond and a form in the church and that you're going to see revival in Ukraine and in Russia like we've never seen it before, Father. And I just thank you, dear Lord, for a revival here in the United States. Bring people's hearts closer to you. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed. Have a good week.